In my final episode of the series, I speak with Dr. Jennifer Cassidy, or the Oxford diplomat, as she's commonly known on social media platforms. Jennifer is a diplomatic scholar and speaks daily to her 300,000 followers across X and Instagram. She lectures at the University of Oxford on diplomacy and international law, digital diplomacy and gender and diplomacy. Her PhD, which she completed in 2017, focused on the accelerating collaboration of politics and social media. In our conversation, Jennifer shares her career to date from her first posting with Ireland's permanent mission to the United Nations in New York, to her time working in the European External Action Service to the Kingdom of Cambodia, to her work now in academia. She's honest and she is open as she speaks. This sharing isn't just confined to this conversation either. She's open and honest on her social media platforms too. Here is our conversation. I've been a long admirer of of you online and your voice and how you use online, but taking it back to your focus on your work in diplomacy, especially in digital and gender diplomacy, ultimately, what does that mean? How does that impact people listening? Um, and tell us all all the scale, all the stories of of uh, of working in Oxford. Yeah, well, regarding gender and diplomacy and digital diplomacy, just to give you just a very brief background of, of how I got into this. So as some may know that I started my degree in violin, never had any intention of working in academia whatsoever, uh, but here we are. So uh, I yeah started the degree and then had a back injury and I was like, oh, well, what on earth will I do? Like never won an academic prize in school or anything of the sort. So I absolutely loved history. And I decided, oh, what goes at home well with that? Politics. So this was, and just being, you know, brutally honest, this is, uh, I don't come from like a political or you know, lawyer or academic uh, based based family, but I was like, okay, this 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 suits well, and so yes, it just progressed my well my my love for hi- academic history lessened <laughs> as I went on, uh, and my love let's to put, to put it diplomatically, my love for her for for politics, uh, you know, it, it it clearly was always there, even though my whole life was focused on violin, it was clearly always there. So you know, moving straight forth then to the uh, uh, the PhD, I did, did did my undergrad in Ireland. Moving straight forward to the PhD, my my focus was I wanted to be on digital uh, diplomacy. Now at this stage, you I had been a diplomat for, for five years, and no one was allowed to use Twitter or Facebook. This was 2010, 11. No diplomat was allowed to use Facebook in the hall or as a diplomat not at all and just and just to tell listeners so your diplomatic experience saw you in the perm rep and you might give us a little insight into what what those few years looked like for you yeah so i was you know extremely fortunate to um after my uh, masters to to get everyone was applying for internships but as we know, internships are unpaid, which is absurd, and there was no way that was happening. And um, for me, I wouldn't have been wouldn't have been able. So I was extremely fortunate um, to get a contract with um, the Department of Foreign Affairs in Ireland and uh, have my first posting as uh, with the uh, permanent mission to the U- Ireland's permanent mission to the UN in New York as a diplomatic attaché. Of course, the most senior level, but. You know, this was just, you know, phenomenal for me. And, you know, something, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but please do, do stop me that, you know, during my master's, I put out so many applications because I knew I needed a job to, to, and got so many rejections, so many rejections. And as 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 everyone does, but as I lay my head 
on the last night uh, on the pillow on the last night in Oxford my stuff was already in the van ready to go back to Ireland and my poor dad was on a sleeping bag which had deflated on the ground like um, lying beside me and I just thought oh I'll check my emails and I got the email to say I'd got the job so you know for as I say to my students I'm like you literally just have to keep knocking on the door like someone's going to get it (laughs) Um, but the 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 experience in 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 New York was absolutely phenomenal and and just so eye opening of how how the UN works. And I feel so fortunate to have seen the inner workings of it for good and for bad. And you know, as people uh, may or may not know, the UN is an alphabetical order. So there's Iran, Iraq, Ireland, Israel. So it was quite the seat to be sitting in. Um, and, you know, I never thought, I thought, oh, I might just, I'll be writing notes in the embassy, you know, for the few years. But they're like, no, Jennifer, you'll be sitting there. I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and, but at, at, and, and then after that, uh, the contract ended because at, at, at that time we were still under the IMF restrictions. So you couldn't permanently hire in the foreign service, in, in, in foreign affairs. And then I got offered a, a job, uh, another contract by, the European Diplomatic Service to the Kingdom of Cambodia. So I was working for the EU embassy there in Cambodia, working on the Khmer Rouge tribunals for two or three days a week, and then human rights and development regions, uh, development uh, issues for the, for the other few days of the week in Phnom Penh. And then I came back to Ireland. Uh, then I got another contract with Foreign Affairs uh, when Ireland had the chairmanship of the OST of 2012 and the uh, presidency of the Council of the European Union of 2013. And so after that, I decided maybe I'm not the best diplomat out there. <laughs> um, I was not fired. I will put that out there. The uh, Foreign Affairs can fully back me up on this. Um, in fact, the uh, all truth, the contract was to be extended. But I just knew personally that... And this was a time in Ireland when, you know, we look at Ireland now and we think it's moved so fast. Like, not not that we even think it's moved so fast. We look at it and other, you know, the, the students that I teach now who are actual diplomats look at Ireland and think we we are such a liberal state and, and you know, we have all these liberal laws. But at the time when I was working there, um, the marriage equality referendum wasn't passed. The the, um, the Eighth Amendment was, wasn't um even on the table for consideration. And so I just I, I knew I just could not be it's the same way that I am not part of a political party in Ireland and nor have I ever been. And it's not that I don't agree with policies of a number of policies with certain with certain parties. But I would for as someone just just the way I am, I'd have to agree with for for right or wrong, um, I'd have to agree with absolutely everything, you know, to 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 speak it. And I just knew that um, as a diplomat, you are a mouthpiece for the government, and that's not usually that is said in a critical tone. But it's wonderful, you know, for for states who are doing, you know, brilliantly, um, and it's wonderful for Ireland in, in in so many cases. But I I just knew that there would be times. Uh, in the career progressing where I wouldn't agree with this and I would just feel too uncomfortable speaking for it. So I just knew I needed something for my my own voice. And this is a huge disclaimer. Not I, When I say my own voice, I'm not saying I'm right all along. <laughs> in, in no way I'm saying... Let me speak because everything I speak is is truth and and wisdom. No way, I get it wrong too, uh, com- completely. But I at least I have the freedom as an academic to 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 speak, to explore exactly, to explore, to understand. Also, you know, to be wrong, um, and then you know, for example, and I, I on social media I put up stuff like. Uh, a number of times that was wrong, and I'm always willing to be told, uh, you know, this is that this is this is not not that it's not true, but this is wrong. Have you have you thought of it looking at from this point? And I will always be willing to retract. But that's not the way uh, diplomacy is. So 
Um, that's one of the reasons I moved. And for anybody who doesn't have the privilege of following your good self, Jennifer, Oxford diplomat, and you will see this ferociously uh, warm and honest and transparent voice. Uh, and I and I say that in a world where X, formerly known as Twitter, is not always the nicest of places uh, for folks like yourself who are constantly trying to raise the bar on factual information sharing. And we're and, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I, I really wanted to, to pivot back a little bit to, you know, you're looking at, so 2010, your, your number of years as, as, as a diplomat, then, I mean, you and I are, I'm going to say similar age, own age, you know, I'm probably a little bit older than you, but understanding and looking at it in, in the foresight that you did to know digital would play such a powerful role in the political arena, in the world arena, not just political, but, but, but that narrative. Um, and then on the opposite side, well, not opposite, but linked to it, the gender diplomacy and where we are right now too, within the context of, of digital. Like, did you, did you see that? Is that why you're like, right, this is how people will, this work will impact people listening? Or were you like, actually, my gut feeling is taking me here and this is where we're going to go? It was, I've always followed, always followed my gut, um, for better or worse, <laughs> always followed it. And I have been really, uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with gadgets and technology and 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 everything like this uh i'm not the best at technology um but i just love uh, you know all all aspects of technology and when for example to give that example when we we're in the un hall i know was allowed to use twitter or facebook and it wasn't even a question of whether you weren't allowed no one would even dare attempt it wasn't even a question on people's mind of saying oh should i use it like it, this was just seen as the most undiplomatic thing to do it did. and the only i won't name the ambassador but the only ambassadors i i saw using and like any technology in the general assembly was an ambassador at the very front who was playing angry birds um, and we could all see him playing Angry Birds. And myself included, I was very into this game. And Ban Ki-moon was speaking on weapons of mass destruction. This is all no word of a lie. And the entire hall was focused on this ambassador playing Angry Birds, like putting back the bird, pushing it. And then we were going, ooh, uh, like the whole countries. And like, and Ban Ki-moon must have thought he was giving this amazing speech that everyone was so into, but we were just highly into this game of Angry Birds. But that was the peak of technology in the General Assembly. But I went to my supervisor. So after I left the premise, I went uh, to my supervisor, who was my supervisor for my master's, who I had said that to him during the master's, never in my life would I do a PhD. So uh, yeah, you, you, will, you will get a sense, if you're not getting a sense already, that I very much go with the film. It may look like my life is, has been like, oh, very good steps. Like, oh, plan steps one after the other. Not the case at all. And I, I went to him and, you know, I am so, uh, he is the professor of diplomacy at, at Oxford, Cornelia Biola. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal man. And I just looked at it with, with, with my, my supervisor. And I went to him and I said, look, I think... You know, I said I wasn't doing a PhD, let's forget that. <laughs> I was in a weird place. Um, but I said, this has to be coming down the track because no one's using it in the hole. No one was using it in in Cambodia. No one was using it during uh, back, back in Ivy House. But like every single person, outside, the minute you stepped outside Ivy House, the minute you stepped outside General Assembly, everyone was on Facebook, everyone was on Twitter, myself included. And I was just like, there's no way this is not going to get into the hole. Every aspect of te technology since the telegram has impacted diplomacy. Every single aspect. And I was like, there's just no way that this is not going to make it in, into, into diplomacy. So I proposed a tune and um, he took the chance on it. And he just, and I said, but there's no literature on it. What, what are we going to do? Because, you know, with the PhD, uh, so much of it is literature based. And he just like, well, we're just going to have to publish inside ourselves. I was like, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, I was like, love it. 
my type of super. As it has Cassidy says, <laughs> like yeah. So, um, as someone who I, just to interject there, as someone who just recently finished uh, finished a master's in uh, in ag extension innovation, I can tell you this: if I turned around to my poor lecturer, who's my um, thesis advisor, minor thesis advisor, let me just remind you, and said, "Listen, I'm I'm pl- I'm thinking on doing a PhD," he'd be like, "Please go away for at least." six months until you grow up and know how to be an academic because he wouldn't dare say that, but he, he's too kind for that. But I, I applaud you because that's not just an undergrad or a cert or a master's and not taking away for the work that they do, but a PhD, how, like how many, how many, I mean, even now you're still dedicating your life to, to these topics that you wrote on, but how many years from when you had that conversation to when the doctor came before Jennifer did, did it take you? Well, I say this, I hope really tone is tone is so hard to come across on this uh, without any notions whatsoever. But two and a half years. So, I uh, but that was primarily Ox- due Oxford to, diplomat, everybody. Oxford diplomat. <laughs> but that was primarily due to as well funding. You know, like I didn't have the luxury. People got like five year scholarships. Because it, it all depends on what you work on. If, if you're working on migration, and these are all, wor- of course, worthy areas of exploration. Like, but no one was taking the chance on tech, this this thing that didn't exist, right? So I had limited limited funding, and that's all I could um, afford. Yeah, and I was just like, I need to get it done, and you know. It sounds so cheesy, but like if you just and it's all it is huge thanks to my supervisor. You know, he gave me such time and a lot of supervisors. Um I, you know, I've heard horror stories of supervisors, other supervisors, but he gave me such time and we were both so interested in, in the subject uh together. And by the end of it, so my two key case studies actually were the uh, Eurobaden crisis in Ukraine and the annexation of Crimea and then Israel-Gaza 2014. So people are saying, can you stop writing case studies? And I was like, I very much agree. <laughs> so I, I, and the reason I chose them was not a foresight, you know, of, of anything, but it was because it was the only, uh, it was real time. I looked at how diplomats use social media during political crises. And they were the real time data that I could take um, and, and and use. And so the day before my uh, last Viva in Oxford, you have three Vivas, which actually allows you basically a lot of people to blame if you fail, <laughs> because you have one at like it's meant to be it's meant to be three or four years and one's at the end of first year, et cetera. So basically, it stops you anything going horrifically wrong at the end because there's been so many people to Second stop place. being like, no, this this isn't working. So that's a really, really good system. Um, but so Trump came along the last year of my PhD and he was a walking, breathing thesis. Like he, Still everyone, is. yeah, everyone was like, stop tweeting. And I was like, keep tweeting. But obviously, I didn't want him to keep tweeting. But in a real way, I kind of did, uh, because he was just proving everything. Everyone went from this is not a thing, heads of state don't use it, to the entire world focused on the U.S. president using Twitter. And the day before my last uh, Viva, he was tweeting North Korea and call- calling him, you know, little rocket man. And everyone was like, we're going to be dead. You know, this is, a new, and, you know, the whole thing about a PhD is, the question is, well, why does this matter? You know, mm-hmm. now that I supervise PhDs in, in two weeks, I'm an examiner for a PhD in Oxford, and I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> um, but the whole thing is, why does this matter? Why are you telling me this? And, you know, as I said to them, have you seen Trump's tweets yesterday? You, you know, and they were like, you know, it just, proved it com- completely um, so to, to um, jump to yeah. jump in there based off and and I wanted to pick up a little bit on the the gender diplomacy piece yeah. and I'm going to do that in a bit um but I, I think the next question has to be the use of social media yeah, yeah it's very fair to say 
social media has profoundly, profoundly impacted and altered Mm -hmm. our politics around the world. What we think about, Mm -hmm. how we think about it, how the information is getting to us. uh, And I've been really catching myself of late about flagging misinfo and disinfo without giving examples. But there is just so much of it because... Mm -hmm. You know, I could read one report where they say just under 80% of what we see on a daily basis is fake news. Another report is, you know, every three to four pieces of information we see online is fake. However, you know, what is checking that is where we rely on research and academics like yourself. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, like how for the good and the bad and the ugly, we have yeah. local, European, national, USA worldwide elections upcoming uh, and not just upcoming in the next couple of years in in the next months like how 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 do you foresee that coming like how do we determine as consumers of information to, on social media what is real and what is not and like can I preface it this with every time I go to schools I'm I'm always like first and foremost regardless of who you vote for just make sure your vote use your voice make make sure you vote and also think about critical thought, like what you're consuming, how you're consuming. But anyways, I, I threw a lot at you there, uh, Jennifer, but just to me, the, the good, the bad and the ugly in terms of the use of it. I, I, I mean, now my brain is exploding of like, look at Brexit. And I believe social media played a, a role on that as it did from what research tells us. But what 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 is it and how do we navigate around it in terms of elections yeah, and social so, media? Well, I, uh, yeah, so I just wrote, 6,900 6, words on a chapter of disinformation, diplomacy, and AI yesterday. So good question. Um, and how AI is, you know, the, the speed at which AI is, is the artificial intelligence is, is moving is extremely, extremely worrying regard, yeah. regarding disinformation. You know, um, we also with with the process of of social media we all thought that this was going to be the great democratic tool right you know we this was going to be something that informed everyone and that anyone who held a digital device had the power and you know smaller nations could uh, just because they didn't have the monetary backing now with their virtual technology they could have just as much power and their voice could be heard just to and and given to as many people but with the disinformation with the voting coming up you know i i, I and i will always say if i don't have don't have an answer it is extreme the it extre, it's extremely hard to spot uh particularly with the as i said the artificial intelligence tools coming up but what's important here is getting sources and having people both online in your life and offline in your life who you know they say they say they say on the internet that uh you know just like oil is the greatest resource offline credibility is the greatest resource online and like once you lose your credibility online you know that that's done that's why I'm so careful to double triple check everything and even if it's not the uh, popular opinion as i uh, you know said in the interview today facts are facts and evidence are evidence so uh, you know making sure that you have key people online that you trust and you know that what they're putting out is is correct and not just going through you know, entire feeds, because if you start going through like, oh, latest news and, and reading that, that is where disinformation, you know, really spreads, um, it's like wildfire. really, really, really spreads. And so, you know, it, it comes back to like one of my key phrases about um, one of my key endings of uh, the PhD and, and still my work to date is, you know, I, I went into this being like, I went into my study on, on uh, technology and diplomacy being like, oh, wait for this. This is just going to blow the literature on diplomacy out of the water. It will never be the same again. No, no, how wrong I was. Like, it, 
my concluding, and I stick to it to this very, very day, that digital diplomacy, and when I mean what I mean by digital diplomacy, I'm just referring to like technology and diplomacy, the use of technology with diplomacy. It's just an evolution not a revolution. So we've always seen disinformation used in campaigns pre-technology. You know, something that I always stress is that, like, we must not, like, lose any sense of historical consciousness that there was, like, no disinformation before technology. There was no propaganda before technology. Yes, the speed at which it's put out. Yes, the quantity at which it's put out. Yes, the impact and how it can... Uh, twist and 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 war people at such greater speeds uh, is nothing like we we've seen before. But the true essence of it, the true like uh, reasoning behind it, uh, is still the same. So as I said, it's an evolutionary tool, not a revolution. And so, what did we do in history? We looked to credible sources, and these were these were newspapers that people went to. So I advise people to, you know, really have your key sources online and, uh, you know, be it a media, be it a top media report that you, uh, television that, you know, program that, that you trust. Um, and also broaden, broaden your network, you know, don't just follow the, you know, this is, this is say, I'm sure people have heard this before, but don't just follow the people that you agree with. Because, you know, you need to hear hear that. And I've gotten so many uh, throughout the years, like the whatever, 14 years on Twitter, people saying, oh, I'm unfollowing because I saw you followed this person. But, you know, how on earth are you ever going to, I'm like, a, I am a complete pragmatist. I'm like, okay, if my if my goal is X, i.e. the achievement of, of, of this person in an election, or uh, I want this policy to win, if that's my goal, um, the only way to do that is to truly understand why people would be voting for the other side, why people um, want to vote for the policies they do. People aren't reckless with their votes, even if we want to dismiss the other side and say, oh, they don't know what they're voting for. They do. They have some kind of impetus behind it. So, you know, broaden your broaden your your, your base, have credible sources, Um and you know the AI aspect is a completely <laughs> that, that could be a different conversation. But that that I'll just point one uh, uh, note on that is, and that that I think there should be regulation regarding yeah. the way there was previously. Again, this comes back to the evolution point. We've always had stops, and when you can start, you have to campaign, right? Uh, where you have to stop campaigning. And I think that should be a regulation on social media because now what we're seeing with deep fakes is you could see, this is particularly, you know, with the US elections coming up, um, you could see something uh, that a candidate said and it's a deep fake. And that could be 12 hours beforehand because they don't have that stricter rules. And there's, and, and there's so, so... Um, real <laughs> to, to to use the word and a lot of people who do not know about deepfakes who don't do not know about this see this and it completely affects them going in so there needs to be stronger regulations online about when you can stop because dis disinformation as as we know spreads rapidly and it will stay in people's heads whether they truly believe it or not can i pick up from that point actually because we've been alert we've been alerted and please correct me if any examples or things I'm saying is in, in incorrect, because I, I want I want you also to to now I also you know your, lean on your experience and, and your wisdom in this. So so deepfakes on the rise. We have been told, sadly, as female MEPs seeking re-election, that sadly deepfakes will be used in order to diminish our credibility. And I say generally because I, I, I generalize that as in we. Because we we don't know if they're coming, how they're going to come, who's going to put them out, and, and all those great things. But what we see from France, in particular, at their national elections, deepfakes were very much used as as a tool to to diminish uh, female candidates and and their their estimating. But with that, right? So I believe, and uh, and from from speaking with you, I, I I believe you also believe the 
the the makeup of politics and I should never assume, but I'm going to just go out on a limb here. But the makeup of politics in the European Parliament right now, or in many, or many institutions, are not balanced or not reflective of our society. So right now we have 500 million citizens within the European Parliament. We have 60 percent men over uh, a certain age, about 40 percent women, less than three percent of people of color, less, well, less than 10 percent in terms of people who identify like myself in terms of LGBTQI plus. And then you have social media, deep fakes, perhaps the lack of women stepping forward or those who identify as women. And then on the other hand, you have the likes of our first uh, our first female president of the commission who requested that each EU country in 2019 propose two names for a commissioner, a male and female, in order to have gender balance. Now, I say all of that with how do we look at gender diplomacy in the world of digital age and try and get more people to be reflective of our society and our communities. Is that possible given your experience? Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's like a PhD question in, 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 it, in itself. I'm like, I'll see you back in two years. Um, <laughs> no, uh, the, no, um, you know, completely agree with, with what you said and, 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 and mentioning the, the, you know, the, the elections that we see also happen, uh, previously that this is evidence based. This is not us saying that, oh, females are, are, um, targeted. you know, targeted. Yeah. You know, I, I went off Twitter for a bit, um, in October, November, I still, on thing because of uh, uh, numerous death threats offline when the t- when I got two offline from the department I was like okay goodbye like and I had never ever received them during as I said the 13 years like I, I've been on it but it was due to uh, me speaking out um, um for, uh, for Palestine and you know what I did not and I I did this person that messaged me highlighting this thread about me I think they thought they were doing me a favor but I truly wish I never read what was on the thread because I've never seen yeah I almost can't even talk about it to me what you know what what was not said about me and what would be done and like never never would I be on a social media app um do you know, I raise people think, oh, if I'm online, seems extremely confident. All this, no, extremely sensitive. Like, and I'm doing? getting so, so, yeah, getting so doing? much better at this. But like, you know, what what was not said about me would, uh, yeah. So that's why I obviously I took a step back, and then I went went. That's why I went to Instagram. My Instagram before that was just pictures of my golden retriever, <laughs> and now it's political. Like I had no intentions of ever having my Instagram political, um, just of my gorgeous dog. But you know, as, as <laughs> that's that's the way the way it works. But you know, so well, first of all, uh, you know, in the age of uh, in the age of di- how how to how to blend the two, how to okay so okay I'm going to like re- re- revert my thoughts and say what I say about diplomacy and politics I call it like the gender of diplomacy okay mm-hmm. and by by this I mean this is not a fight between men versus women uh, and this goes for politics too and this is the the, the thesis and when I speak about uh, gender and diplomacy but I, I speak about the gender of diplomacy I, I really try and make this point clear um, from all my research it's that diplomacy itself has a gender which seems a strange statement to make so I'll just expand on that a little so diplomacy, you know, simply starting in the 1500s in the Italian city-states was developed um, by men for men. That's simply just historical fact. And so all these all these traits that we have seen in history that have been defined as masculine, so all the research states 
uh, tall, which rules me out, um, but like tall, rational, um, uh, tall, rational, uh, I can't, yeah, yeah. All of these, all of these things, I can usually just name off the top of my head, but all these things that were seen as masculine traits, uh, they were the things that were promoted in diplomacy, and they and and and, and to some extent, they very much still are. Hmm. And this effect, and then so the the, the female traits, um, and again, this is. Uh, when I say that this is all historically based of how we defined female, you know, and, and, and myth, but it was that, you know, extremely much more passive, you know, a quote from Sir Harold Nicholson, who, you know, this was not that long ago, and I know this quote verbatim, and this is still in the diplomatic textbooks that students read. He He said, quote, women are prone to the qualities of zeal, sympathy, and intuition, which unless kept under the firmest control can be dangerous qualities in international affairs, end quote. And yeah, and so I, I don't know about you. We're, and we're, I'm, we're I, I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, 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 would, I would think that you, along with both you know, men and women diplomats would firmly believe that zeal, sympathy, intuition are like innate qualities for diplomats to have, like some of the best to, and, and, to have. And the reason, and the reason why I believe many, yeah. many houses do not work. And when I mean by house, I mean democratic institutions don't yeah. work because there's not enough of those traits that you've just listened yeah. within the bone because of the house. Exactly. So these historically were always seen as qualities not to be promoted. And why I always say it's not a thing of men versus men versus women, because men are affected by this too. too. So if you look, if men don't have these qualities of uh, rationality, you know, the, the uh, being told these like leadership qualities, they are not promoted either. Like I've seen it in foreign ministries around the world. So it's not just women who are affected by this. If men don't show those, those qualities and and if women then show the qualities of what we see as, or what, what diplomacy has deemed, you know, masculine qualities to promote, they are promoted or else they feel an obligation. And I, like being brutally honest, I felt it, Two, that sometimes I have to put on a front, which is not me, to 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 do certain things. This is I would be more I would be more zeal, sympathy, and and intuition, uh, rather than, you know, the some the other traits which are promotable. But you have to put them on in order to be. Now the world, of course, and 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 as you say, the houses are 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 very much changing, and I really want to give so much credit where credit is due, you know, even in the last decade, 15 uh, or 15 years since I've been working with um, Ministries of Foreign Affairs, it has gotten much better, but we've got so much work to do. So when I, going back then to the gender of diplomacy, what we need to do is start looking at all these traits as as just as worthy, right, mm -hmm. and and just as promotable, that they so both as I said, men and women are affected. That no one needs to be putting on these fronts. Yes, they might actually suit different ambassadorships. They might suit different different places, but they shouldn't be um, categorized as the characteristics that are promoted. And this is. Yeah, and, and this is not just, you know, this is me. Uh, I, I'm not just saying this um, off the top of my head. This is from, you know, years of research. This is all, all years of data, like years of collect selection of data um, and and all, all the evidence s supports this. And, can I, can I ask know, with that just, can I ask with that just before we move on to, another area of great expertise of yours. But picking up that point, does it happen when we as voters are educated on the exact same, those traits that you talk about? 
does it happen when we begin within the media or conversations like this begin to say, what are we missing in terms of characteristics and values within our democratic processes? Or are we far, are, are we, are we building to that? Are we anywhere near that? Yeah, no, we are definitely near it. And, and, you know, anytime I give a lecture on this, I, I, when I wrote the book, it was not pessimistic. It, it was pessimistic, but I'm, it's not, I'm not at this like severely pessimistic. State. We have a long way to go, but I, I, I am very much the person of, you know, we need to give credit to institutions where credit is due. Uh, diplomacy is a slow moving, as you know, vehicle and, you know, progress is being made. So we should acknowledge that. But no, um, regarding the voters, no, because we see the in, the intake in, in so many, uh, different forms of the intake coming in as, uh, nearly, well, let, let's just look at foreign affairs, for example. Um, a lot of foreign affairs, there's actually more intake of women sometimes, right? So it's getting up to these, it's the media you mentioned that's a huge, huge aspect. And it goes back to the deep fakes, the targeting of, of, of women online, which is, again, not in any way a personal opinion. Amnesty International, Human Rights Reports, everyone has, 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 uh, uh, done you know detailed work on this on data on women uh, politicians and diplomats on- online and how they are you know targeted com- compared to men uh, but for example i'll give you like one example how immediately it starts it's not good enough just at the very end when you mentioned uh you know uh bringing in nominating both a man and and a woman uh it's it's at the end where people have critiques saying, "Oh well, this person doesn't have experience, so they're just being put forward because of a woman because they're a woman." One way to ensure that this does not happen is let's take for example the di- uh, diplomacy. So in the fifty states, top fifty OECD states that I that I covered, if you look at at the entry point of women, so when they do their first posting on the 50 states, they are not sent to what diplomacy calls, you know, for better or worse, quote, violent or war-torn regions. Be- for whatever reason, we can assume a guess, um, you know, that the safety reasons and, you know, historically women were not sent there. But the issue about that is, as I always say to my students, why are you telling me this? Why should I care? So anytime yeah. they say a sentence, well, why are you telling me this? Well, this matters because if women don't get, and men, as I said, who have those characters, if they don't get that experience at the junior level in diplomacy, and I'm sure this is, you know, there's so many similarities in in so many other political institutions. If they don't get that experience, that's seen as, quote unquote, putting in your time. So from the moment they enter, if they don't get that as their first posting or second posting, they're on the back flush. So then by the time they get to the kind of the top level, they don't have the same experience. So then there is valid argument to say, well, this person has much more experience over this person. So it's a complete, um, it's from the moment they enter, um, it, it needs to be done. It's not just at the top level and you can't just go nominating people, um, you know, just because that won't change. Yeah, that that yeah. won't change. That won't changes. It needs to be. People have to have the experience. They have to have the knowledge, and they have to have worked just like everyone else. And but that starts with institutions giving everyone a fair one from the very very start. The minute they get in, no doubt you can hear it. You know, the parachute candidate. Uh, uh, this podcast has been about making sure people are hearing that passion and then going to do their own investigation work, reading, asking further questions. I mean, ultimately, this is for some a start of a conversation for others like yourself and hopefully some of your um, your students listening, uh, you know, a continued journey of learning. So that lifelong learning piece is incredibly important uh, within within all works, but particularly on on gender and digital. Shifting to what we've seen for many, many years, but very much highlighted since since early October of last year in 
the war in the Middle East. You've been incredibly vocal on this, very informative on this, and there's fair to say a lot of information out there. Can you talk us through what is happening and what you potentially could see likely to happen next? Now, just for disclaimer, we're on, we're filming this, uh, we're recording this, I should say, on February 14th, 2024. A couple of hours ago, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar and the Spanish P Prime Minister has put a letter to the President of the Commission. I will add this into that recording. Conscious though, as we record this and before this goes out, there will be a time period. And as as we've seen in the news, this is moving very, very fast. So I'm just very, very conscious to Jennifer, not to hold you into a space where you're like, hang on, in 24 hours, this could be a completely different uh, answer. But in, in, in one hour, never mind a, a number of hours. So can you talk us through the gendered or digital space of where we are in, in this war? You know, as mentioned, this uh, on we're speaking on February fourteenth. Uh, re- regarding, well, first of all, I'll I'll just say this is the first day when I was posting, and as you mentioned, I've been extremely vocal uh, since October eighth, <laughs> um, and the. This is the first day I posted the words on a post saying, I'm truly out of words. Like, I am I am out of words uh, with the videos. And, you know, I'm, I'm stopping myself getting upset here. It's just, uh, you know, we've all seen what is happening. Um, reg- regarding the digital, you know, it's, 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 it's extremely hard to even speak about it in such academic terms, you know, at the moment, like just being, you know, completely honest because there's, there's nothing academic about it. It is utterly inhumane. Um, It is barbaric. It is immorality that I have truly never seen before in in my life. And as I mentioned, I worked on the Khmer Rouge tribunals, um, you know, um, for a number of years. And I have seen people nearly every day face to face who were uh, charged and convicted with genocide and crimes against humanity. Um, I've been... Uh, brought out with the court to the killing fields in Cambodia. I've heard the worst uh, stories that I thought, and of course, uh, it doesn't even need to be a disclaimer. This is not about me in the slightest. I'm just, you know, giving context um, and in and in no way to compare genocides. That is not in any way why, why I'm saying this. But I truly thought that was the worst of humanity and that was the worst I'd ever hear or or see and in my life but moving trying to get my head in in a space to even begin to analyze it regarding the digital why i feel that it is so beyond anything that i have and the world has seen or experienced before is because again of the social media devices you know we we are seeing um uh as per the icj you know they they openly said uh that there is a, a severe case for the for a genocidal um you know uh proceedings to begin we're seeing this played out on our phones, day in, day out. And so many of us, millions, billions across the world, states included, are have been calling for months, and it's not just posting, you know, marches, uh, people standing outside parliaments across the world, and, you know, doing everything they can. And it has completely changed my opinion of... <coughs> of digital diplomacy or technology on diplomacy 
And the reason it it has changed it is because and call, and you said this on post before, but call me call me naive, call me stupid, call me you know why did why say why didn't why didn't you even see that this 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 could be the possibility? But I always thought that if billions of people around the world, you know, we've seen the marches in every cap, nearly every capital, everyone calling for this to stop, um. And, you know, the ICJ ruling, we've seen the UN uh, General Assembly vote overwhelmingly for, for to, to, to stop this and, and all of this on social media. But ultimately, it, ha- it has not stopped it in any way, in any way. It is still happening. And, you know, that, uh, it's not even highly questionable about the power of social media Um it just shows you that when states are that large and that powerful, uh, the U.S. and 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 Israel, they are more powerful than all those billions of people combined on social media. Now, that is not to say that everything that everyone is doing and all the protests, everything isn't working. It definitely, it definitely is. People are listening and whether it's for their self-interest that politicians are writing letters and I'm not referring to the Irish letter here, but um, whether it's in, you know, other countries turning the tide and saying, you know, we no longer stand with it, whether it's in their self-interest or not. At this moment, as a pragmatist, I don't care. I just will deal with their self-interest later. We need to make it stop, you know. Mm. Uh, But I do think social media has played the largest role in 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 getting countries uh, to turn their tide because the election because a for the elections um, and b uh, they want to stay in power and c it could hopefully I you know if if we want to remain optimistic it's for humane and 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 reasons of of morality. Now, if this was another any other country. Well, first, this wouldn't have transpired the way it did, but I I think social media would have been able to turn the tide much sooner. But it is the sheer power of the U.S., their power on the Security Council, um, and Israel, but um, clearly is the is the sole hurdle to the sheer power of, of of social media. I've never seen social media gathered in 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 such a way, like. Uh, everyone all over the world, like you, you, you've seen it, and and MEPs, like you know, like in your part, like people making phenomenal speeches, uh, UN ambassadors making phenomenal speeches in, in the UN General Assembly, and nothing has stopped, like nothing has stopped them. So you, you know, as I said, I always am. Um, uh, you mentioned before, right? You know, it's a continuous journey of learning, like. That I I have to, I will forever be taking this into account, and and seeing you know the restrict the constraints of social me- of social media, of of the power quote unquote the power of the people, and and again I and I just want to end that with saying this is not to say that the people have not done phenomenal 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 work. Like amazing, and it should continue. And and I truly believe the tide is turning on all those states because of the people on social media. It is just, and and you know, I don't want to get up, upset again on it because we're <laughs> finished the podcast with, with you. But uh, it it just shows you that there is a limit to the power of of the digital there's a limit to the power of social media and that is the united states and 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 israel sorry that was quite no no i mean no no um brutal and honest and, and real which is what we're not seeing from 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 superpowers you know, and just as you were, just as you were talking there, and 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 my last question coming to you, but I kept thinking of, you know, what is, what is pro democratic 
Israeli seeing online in Israel? You know, because I often, and unfortunately, we don't have don't have the time to go in. But if you move into the aggression towards Ukraine, I often say when I talk about that, particularly in schools, I'm like, we also have to remember there is more than likely one would assume or hope that there's pro democratic Russians. But how how social media is working is just is is a is 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 a powerhouse, or in this case. Uh, not breaking through, not penetrating into the the leaders that it needs to. Yeah, one one thing and a, a term I I coined is, um, which is the thing I'm writing on is I call it the foreign policy of Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and that Silicon Valley also has a foreign policy. We've seen mass censorship on online. Again, this is no conspiracy theory. This is all based on data. And and evidence, we've seen embassies who are now accredited solely to Silicon Valley. Denmark, France is considering um, uh, cre- creating one, which has never been the case since 1648, when there's only been an embassy accredited to a nation stage. But these embassies are solely accredited to Silicon Valley. For example, Ireland has a West Coast consulate, and our, and and the. Irish press section deals with Silicon Valley. That is like most countries um, on the West Coast. But some countries are, you know, recognizing the sheer power of Silicon Valley. Um, For example, Denmark in 2014, when they created their embassy, they created it because their entire entire GDP was only 25% of Facebook's entire market capitalization. So... They know the power of Silicon Valley, and I truly believe, uh, not believe, have the evidence that there is a foreign policy of, of of Silicon Valley, and you know that there is, you know, as you rightly noted, like there is um, a limit to to what can what can be said online and and the great powers and. Yes, it's it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful tool, and I will I will use it while criticizing it. You know, so I'm not not going to choose the Irish phrase, throw the baby out with the bathwater. But the it, it is it certainly it certainly has an agenda, and you know I've I have have been in the Israeli Foreign Ministry, and they're the top. Uh, intelligence uh, ministry in the in the world, uh, and you know, I won't get into a number of things seen there, but you know, they their their intelligence is next to none. Their their ability going back to disinformation, their ability for disinformation, their ability to um um. Yeah, create deep things, etc. And if these, I'm I'm jumping around here, but just to, this is the actual central point I wanted to make. To looking at Russia and and Ukraine, what I write about and what I know is that Silicon Valley put all their money into into Ukraine, and without social without Silicon Valley, we wouldn't know who Zelensky was. You know, we wouldn't without social media apps, we wouldn't know who Zelensky was, um, and um, you know, I'm glad we do. And he used the apps Heather meant we use. He's phenomenal. At, he's phenomenal at, at using them. However, the key point I want to make here is they pulled out of Russia, okay? For and I'm pre- and it's for nation branding. You would call it. it. It's for their foreign policy. But exactly as you said, what I say is I actually think it's unethical. I know. I know there is restrictions. Uh, there would be restrictions in Russia anyway, but a lot of people get around this through to VPN. And you have to ask yourself, you know, is it moral, which unethical, and I don't think so, to remove that information from Russian citizens for them to hear what is happening all around the world? And I know they're Western apps and they're Western created. But it's still one of the biggest sources of information that we have. The, the these key apps that we all know what we're referring to, um, 
And so I don't think it's ethical for for Silicon Valley to have pulled pulled out of Russia, as he exactly said, for the for the democratic um citizens who 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 are in there, because just like we're seeing in Israel, we can't conflate the people with the with the powers. And that's why I'm always saying this is not this these are these are state wars. These are these are wars by leaders and their cabinets. Um, and yes, they're supported by people they're voted in, but there are a huge majority, a huge majority who do not support this. So we need to be really, really careful of brandishing an, an entire state, just like in brandishing entire Russia or, or, or Israel, and keep our eyes focused on who exactly is doing this, who's putting the strings and who's telling, uh, you know, the, the cabinets and the ministers to to do wash, uh, so yeah, access to information for for those people uh, is is absolutely vital. You can't punish, and you shouldn't punish, even if you have the power uh, and you don't like their policies. You shouldn't punish people just because they're part of you know a state. They deserve, if it's meant to be a democratic country, particularly in Israel, they deserve to have access um, to everything that's going on. Final question, and I could chat to you. Bear in mind, everybody listening. I mean, I could pick one of these many questions, <laughs> and and get really into to to greater detail. So I apologize for everybody listening who are probably pulling their hair out to say, "No, ask her more questions." This is where we go. But please, please, please follow Jennifer uh, online, and and better yet, even down that download her 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 PhD work and her many many case studies and 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 um and the many courses offered online that that you teach as well as hey if you want to study under her you'll find her in Oxford which is yeah. which is super exciting. But I'm always question. always trying to get bring Irish people along. So seriously, do, <laughs> bring, do bring I, up that I, bring up that Irish number for ballots? <laughs> oh no, like. Definitely, I do it for for free. Like people who don't know about the admissions process, I've helped like for the last seven years people doing it. But final question to pick up on everything we've just uh, talked about. You know, two questions I regularly get asked: What are you doing to end the wars as as a policymaker in the European Union, and what can I do? And in the face of multiple wars in Ukraine, in the Middle East, in parts of Africa. I bring in online and offline. What would be your advice and guideline uh, guidance if you could if you could sum that up in in a short in a yeah. short piece? Easier said than done. Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. Uh, precisely. I I even as I said previously, today was the first day I should after watching those videos. Like I, I'm out of words, and so many people comment under my videos or, or the post saying, what can I do? What can I do? And I ask myself this question every day. So, uh, you know, people who are struggling with this and, and saying, am I doing enough? What can I do? Just, just know that, you know, people, people in, in, in parliament, people like, like myself, who's a diplomatic scholar was a diplomat. I'm asking myself this, this too. Uh, this is a, and that is a, if you're asking yourself that, that is a question that makes you human. And that, that is a story. Like, uh, and that shows that you have humanity, morality, and, and, and you, and you want to help. So, you know, what, what can you do? Well, we fo- we've focused and looked a lot uh, on the social media aspect and we we've we've looked at the you know the letters that have just been sent uh by Ireland and Spain uh we've also looked at the um or we have we haven't mentioned it but um even just talking now like South Africa um you know they're phenomenal phenomenal le- leadership it, 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 in this yeah. And I truly, truly believe with, with all the force of social media, as I said, that it, that it actually can stop the US and Israel. What it has done, it has pushed so many countries and so many leaders, as I said, whether it, it is in their self-interest or whether they simply do want to do it for the better of mankind. We can deal with those questions after when we, can, we stop 
these 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 crises. Yeah, as I as I as I mentioned before, like uh, enough of this. As a diplomat, you probably shouldn't say this, but like uh, enough of these long term strategies talk because uh, talking about Gaza, there will be no Gaza left to discuss. There will be no people left to talk about. So stop with your long term strategies. Um, you need to act now. But truly, what people can do is, you know, um, as hard as it is, um, and uh, I know the multiple crises around the world that 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 you've mentioned, all oh, which should be given, you know, equal creed, of course. Uh, but just looking at, at Gaza at this at this um, very moment, I know silence is uh, and has been an option for many. I know it's tough. Um, as I said, I've been, you know, I've received the, the, the death threats and that was in October, but now, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to speak up. Um, it's never too late to, to raise your voice and keep, keep yourself, uh, informed as said, get credible, credible sources, um, keep, using your voice, attending protests, I protests. I I know people are at the point and I'm at the point too where you might think this is futile, it's still it's 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 not working, but we are seeing the the tide shift. We are seeing it happen. And we've seen in history, look at the Good Friday Agreement, look at the 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 the, the FARC deal in Colombia, you know, peace treaties have happened in 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 areas where we never ever ever thought they were going to happen like where no one ever conceived that this would end um and it's the people that did it the politicians are not going to do it on their own they're going not guided by the public they're going to be pushed by the public so use your voice as strong as you can and um the other question um uh you uh you asked was what are we going to do to end the war to end the wars well you know again another another phd topic um but truly i diplomacy is is truly the only answer mm-hmm. and i don't say that as like a biased um diplomatic scholar but the only way we have seen in the international we've seen in the international peace treaties beforehand, as I mentioned, Colombia, um, uh, even uh, the Khmer Rouge um, and uh, the Good Friday Agreement, diplomacy and open communication is is the only way this is going to... Is, is, yeah, it's the only way it's going to end. So there's three key pillars of diplomacy, negotiation, communication and representation, and the pillar of diploma of communication just can't um it can't falter and so those lines of diplomacy have to be open Jennifer and I discussed a lot in this podcast episode the final of the series of the parachute candidate her work is fascinating and complicated we are living through significant development of ai information being shared at a speed i don't know anyone could ever imagine But as Jennifer explained from her work, this era of digital diplomacy is an evolution, not a revolution. Jennifer shares with such angst and heartbreak the atrocities of what the Palestinian people are living through and what we are witnessing on our screens in Gaza. No words can overcome what Jennifer has shared. Please listen and please share. Until next time, thank you for joining our conversation.